Vox Quick Hits. This is Worldly, the foreign policy and international politics show from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Zach Beecham, here with Jen Williams and Alex Ward. We have been talking about Iran this week on our main episode, which you can find at Worldly, W-O-R-L-D-L-Y. But here we want to talk about one specific facet of the controversy surrounding the Iran nuclear deal, uh, which is the way that the Biden administration's drive to get back into this nuclear agreement, which the Trump administration withdrew from, is affecting uh, America's relationship with some of its traditional Middle East allies. So like one of the things that I think is is interesting about the deal, very obvious but interesting nonetheless, is that it kind of fractured U.S. alliances in different places, right? It has very strong backing from European partners, but actual Middle Eastern allies like Saudi Arabia and Israel were probably the deal's strongest international opponents. Now, I didn't find their reasoning particularly persuasive, but it did create a uh, a significant issue for American diplomacy, trying to smooth this over with uh, some nearby countries. Jen, how is the push to re-enter the deal playing uh, with these folks? Yeah, you're right. I think to kind of start a little earlier back with the original, just where people were, um, I mean, if you remember Benjamin Netanyahu, Israeli prime minister, literally came to Washington, D.C. and delivered a speech on the floor of Congress calling the Iran deal bad. Like he flew all the way out here just to be like, do do this. This is bad. So there was really strong opposition. Uh, The Saudis also opposed it, but were uh, somewhat less vocal about it uh, publicly. But it was very clear. If you remember the primary reason why the Obama administration decided to help Saudi fight its war in Yemen was that it was kind of like, okay, we'll, we'll help you do this if you stop complaining about the Iran deal and just be quiet and stop opposing us. So yeah, I mean, it, it really caused some very serious, in some cases, long-term um, foreign policy you know, outcomes. And in Yemen, some pretty disastrous ones, I would say. Now, the situation is a little bit different, just in the sense that the relationship between you know the U.S. and Israel in particular in the past four years under Trump was incredibly tight and strong and, you know, very much what Israel wants, Israel gets in most, pretty much all cases. Netanyahu knows now with Biden that, well, the the situation has changed. And it's because it's at the very beginning of the Biden administration's relationship, you know, starting out to build with Israel and Netanyahu, I think Netanyahu seems to be making a calculus to not go as strongly in public. Uh, at least that seems to be, that's my perception so far. Um, they seem to be kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll argue with the Biden administration a little more quietly and, and express our, our concerns with doing this. But I don't expect to see Bibi Netanyahu delivering a speech on the floor of Congress, uh, you know, denouncing this as strongly. But Alex, you may have a different view. No, I, I don't. I think there are a couple of reasons for why that's the case. The first is, you know, when Netanyahu was basically lobbying the U.S. to not get into the deal, it's because there wasn't a deal yet. Now there is, and it's pretty easy to get into it. And so at this point, it's kind of a fait accompli, right? It, there's no reason for him to expend political capital or any or harm his relationship with Biden and that team over something that's almost very likely going to happen. Uh, which would be a, a U.S. and Iranian re-entry to the deal. Not done, by the way. There's still a long way to go, but something that probably will end up happening. 
and uh, the the second thing here, and I think it's I think this is part partly part of the calculus is when the Iran deal stuff was under consideration, you know, in the mid two thousand tens, the Democrats were still a very you know, still cared very deeply about the relationship with Israel. Now, there are, of course, Democrats who still love the Israeli relationship. This Biden team says that the relationship is ironclad. But the public opinion uh, among Democrats of just like, how much should we be nice to Israel and 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 sort of make sure that relationship is tight? Um, those numbers have gone down. There isn't as much appetite for it. And so I think, and this was part of the issues of the, tr- of the Trump years, which was like, the Israeli relationship is getting politicized. Um, and I think so at this point, you're seeing it now, which is Netanyahu goes, I just don't have that much influence over a Democratic administration. And we're already seeing that in, in the case of, and this seems small, but I promise it's a big thing. It took Biden a while to call Netanyahu, right? I mean, it was Biden's first call to the Middle East, but like that was after calling a bunch of European leaders and and leaders in, in Mexico and Canada and in Asia. Like one, it was just the region. The Middle East is, is not a big priority for Biden, but still it was you Netanyahu aren't really top of mind for for my team. And so I think, again, coming back to, you're just not going to see too much from Netanyahu because he realizes his influence is limited. And then Saudi's easy, the Khashoggi stuff, the Yemen stuff, like there's really no reason at this point for the U.S. to kowtow to anything Saudi wants, especially when they're trying to completely minimize that relationship. Yeah. And I'd also add on the Saudi point that they were also unusually close with the Trump team. Like, Israel was. Now, it wasn't as overt and flashy in some ways. Like Netanyahu put up campaign ads that featured his face next to Trump's and has long not been <laughs> subtle. subtle. Yeah, he's also he's long basically <laughs> just been a Republican when it comes to his relationship to the United States, right? Treating there being as one party that's a reasonable partner for him and clashing with the other. Uh, but the Saudis, uh, you know, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who runs a lot of the policy was really close to Jared Kushner and the Trump administration on a variety of different policy fronts. And so it wasn't just that they assassinated a Washington Post writer, uh, though obviously that was a big deal. It's that their relationship with the Trump administration allowed them to escape some scrutiny from it uh, and to escape punishment that the U.S. might otherwise dish out, even to an ally, for doing something so brazenly horrific. And that in like the zero sum game of of sort of Washington foreign policy discourse now, at least when it comes to the Middle East, galvanized Democrats against the U.S.-Saudi Arabia relationship in a way that they hadn't necessarily been previously, right? So it's a confluence of factors, but what it points to, and this is something we get into in a little more depth in the sort of big episode, but there's a real issue of political polarization surrounding Middle East foreign policy topics feeding into the broader issue of polarization in Washington. And one of the knock-on effects here is that the Biden team cares less than previous Democratic administrations might have about what people in Jerusalem and Riyadh think. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, you did see, you know, Biden announce the, you know, end of U.S. support for offensive Saudi operations in Yemen, but in the same breath saying, but we're going to continue, you know, ironclad support for their defense and making sure that Saudi is defended against its enemies. Um, You can take that, you know, piecemeal as, you know, only uh, something that relates specifically to Yemen. You could also see that as, you know, now that they said that and, you know, have made it very clear to Saudi that they are very committed to defending it from all of its enemies. One of the big enemies is Iran. And so having said that now going into 
discussed getting back into the nuclear deal, that sequencing also seems uh, fairly strategic and advantageous in the sense of, well, we already committed to making sure you're safe. So now you can trust us. We're going to get back in the deal. We're going to make sure that this doesn't end up hurting you um, or, you know, causing you to, you know, want to try to acquire your own nuclear weapons. So I do think that also in, in some cases helps. It's not you know, the Biden administration isn't completely by any means abandoning Saudi Arabia um, and, and has made very clear that they are still going to, you know, take their input. But I think it's the difference between like they don't get a veto here, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take your concerns under consideration. If you are uh, if you're interested in this conversation or this general topic, again, head over to our main feed, uh, Worldly, W-O-R-L-D-L-Y. You know, wherever you get your podcasts and, and listen to us blabber. We like to talk and we hope you like to listen.